0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to Clear the Record. This episode is my second installment on Amy Winehouse, who is a well known singer songwriter from the UK. Um in my last episode I spoke about how she began writing jazz songs very young. She started writing her first album, Frank at nineteen, and it was l- released in her early 20s, um, and her most famous album, Back to Black, was released in 2007 to both critical and commercial acclaim, Um, and throughout this time while she was making music, she was also struggling with addiction, um, and it was very well covered by both the mainstream press and tabloids. Um, and she also had a very tumultuous relationship with a man named Blake Fielder-Civil, which is also well covered by the press. Um, so yeah, and I just wanted to continue talking about how the press covered Amy, and since our last installment, I've been looking at lots of old articles that, the Daily Mail wrote about Amy. If you're not familiar with the Daily Mail, they are a tabloid from the UK that wrote many articles on Amy. It took me a really long time to keep going back and back their pages to get to 2008 and 2009 because anytime she left her house, the Daily Mail was taking a picture of her, or it seemed like that at least. Um, and... Yeah, and I I was looking particularly at 2009 and 2010, when the Daily Mail was spending a lot of time covering Amy Winehouse attempting to work on herself and going to rehab, um, which is not very well understood by a lot of people, and they don't realize how common relapses are, so... One headline from the Daily Mail in May of 2009 said, Will Amy Winehouse live long enough to make another album? Her last-ditch Caribbean detox has gone nightmarishly wrong. And they're referring to her stay in St. Lucia, where she was for, there for a few months to kind of, um, well, ideally she was trying to take a break from the press in England, but they followed her all the way there. Um, and in the lead they said Wednesday at about 9 a.m. at the Cotton Bay Village Resort in St. Lucia and Amy Winehouse is at the bar drinking her second shot of tequila of the day so they're already sort of faulting her for drinking while you know supposedly going to this island to get clean and throughout the article they're very much focusing on kind of her disheveled appearance. They say makeup has run across her face. And you can see scars, which indicates that she has been self-harming. They talk about the cigarette burns on her stomach. Um, they talk about how she's lonely and drunk and seems quite lost. And they also are running a picture of herself um, on the floor. Um in what they say in the caption, on an alcohol-fueled binge. So, they're really just painting Amy as someone who, with really no sympathy, they're just showing her as someone who's, you know, talking gibberish to herself, Um, someone who's very upset, but there's no context about um, how she got there, and it's very basically a very accusatory article, um, kind of placing her addiction as her fault and not as a disease. And she, they wrote many articles kind of along these lines. Um, a few months after that article was released in August of 2009, they ran a story with a picture of Amy basically using cocaine um, the photo is of a very close-up image of Amy's face and there's powder on her nose and on her lips and the headline says is Amy Winehouse back to her bad habits singer spotted with mystery substance up her nose and anytime she may there's some weeks where she's looking better and they did acknowledge that but anytime she may have lost her footing in her journey to sobriety They run headlines like, Amy Winehouse smartens up for her new boyfriend's film premiere, but still ends up bruised and disheveled. And that was a headline from July of 2010. And in the beginning of the article, they say, Amy Winehouse started the night off so well, looking composed and smart in a purple mini dress and heels. But after attending the premiere of her director boyfriend, Reg Travis's new film, it looked like the singer was up to her old tricks again leaving the after-party in a London club in the early hours of this morning. It appeared the 26-year-old had managed to injure herself. And they kind of talk about the beginning of the night where they say she looked chic and tidy and how by the end of the night she had fallen and had a painful-looking scratch and how she basically ruined herself from once-looking beautiful... And then falling because she was under the influence. Um, And that's pretty much the tone that most of the Daily Mail articles that I read took. Um, Even, I would say after she passed, they started using kinder language towards Amy. They started using, like, actually the word addiction rather than calling her a drunk or you know, an addict as describing her like as a noun rather than something she was experiencing. Um, And I guess one thing I also want to emphasize is that it wasn't just tabloids that were writing articles that were very disparaging of Amy. It's not particularly surprising to anyone that the Daily Mail is running stories with pictures of Amy cut up or on the ground or with videos of her using um we all know that tabloids are just trying to sell magazines or trying to get page views with you know whatever content they want to they're not really trying to meet any ethical standards like other outlets so during my research I also wanted to look at you know legacy media outlets that we usually hold in pretty high esteem and from what I found um, outlets like the New York Times and like Rolling Stone were still playing into a lot of the same narratives as the Daily Mail although they may have done it in you know less heavy-handed ways Um, one article that I found really interesting in the way they spoke about Amy came out in, let me see again, two thousand eight, um, by the writer John Perellis, who's still at the New York Times, and it seems sort of like a cultural commentary piece, not um, you know, hard news, but still, you know, has some kind of like a newsy angle to it, and the headline is in real time: Amy Winehouse's deeper descent. And the entire article is basically sort of talking about how Amy has to struggle with addiction um, on the internet in ways that people like Kurt Cobain or Janis Joplin didn't have to. And a lot of the points he makes in the article I think are, are good points, but where I find fault in the article is how he basically makes Amy Winehouse look like an attention seeker and as if her destructive behaviors are all something she's just doing for more publicity. And I think we all know now that's not the case and that the media was really just covering her so often because they knew that's what people wanted to see not because that's what Amy wanted people to see um and I pulled a few paragraphs from the article that I think were really poorly done so one paragraph um is talking about um when the video came out of Amy smoking crack and He's basically accusing Amy of liking the attention that came with that video coming out. So the paragraph reads, The homemade clip is timestamped January 18th and shows Miss Winehouse with her recent blonde hairdo in her London apartment, using a glass pipe to smoke what the sun says is crack. And it was no surprise, because she has been a very public wreck. Performers thrive on attention and sometimes admit that it's an addiction. Now the internet enables that addiction all too easily. The unintended consequence is that we now watch stars self-destruct in real time. And what I really take issue with in this paragraph was when the writer said, Performers thrive on attention and sometimes admit that it's an addiction. And I think it's interesting he's more emphasizing the addiction of stars like Amy being in the public eye rather than the actual addiction she was dealing with, which was being addicted to drugs like heroin and cocaine. And I think that's sort of a misplaced judgment. And he even further wrote that perhaps Miss Winehouse misunderstood what should be clear in the age of the internet. Everything recorded can be duplicated and distributed. Possibly the video was, in its own bleary way, a kind of performance. She's keeping her audience informed, if not exactly entertained. And I think it's interesting that he's insinuating in this paragraph that Amy was almost performing in this video and wanted the video to come out. And from everything else I've read about the video, it seems like it was taken without her knowledge and it was released without her knowledge. I'm not sure why anyone would want a video of them in such a vulnerable position coming out and I think he's taking a lot of liberties as a reporter to say that she basically wanted it to come out to get more attention from her audience and he just keeps going on with the same note and says she would do well to disappear for a while into rehab or private recovery and then to hole up in a recording studio and work on some new songs in the era of total exposure, Miss Winehouse would serve herself and her listeners best by working behind closed doors. And I think that is just really unfair to Amy because I'm sure she didn't want her addiction to be so well publicized. And it's not as if she was the one posting these videos and tweeting or posting on Facebook about what she was doing, it was all from, you know, third parties, it was from outlets, it was from people that claimed to be her friends, but clearly weren't, um, you know, there's obviously some celebrities that are pulling stunts, and like, you know, releasing it on their own personal social media platforms, but Amy never did anything like that, and yeah, I think the whole article from, this music writer at the New York Times is really tone deaf and I don't think they really understood um, how difficult it is to deal with addiction, especially deal with addiction in the public eye and with social media. And I think it's important to show how, you know, well-known and respected outlets like the New York Times are also perpetuating a lot of harmful narratives surrounding addiction um, as much as tabloid outlets are. And another article I saw was from Rolling Stone magazine, which basically made a timeline which they titled The Tumultuous Life of Amy Winehouse. Um, and they talked about the, what their subhead was, the arrest of wars and antics that followed the singer's June 2007 Rolling Stone cover. And in this article, they basically charted every single time Amy, you know, was caught using drugs by the tabloids or was caught partying with Blake Fielder Civil. And I don't really know why they felt this was something that was worth publishing. Um I think it's particularly disrespectful because they put her, you know, a few months earlier on the cover of her their magazine and was, you know, talking about her music Although, in the, even in the original cover story, which I read, they still asked her a lot of questions about, oh, why did you get tattoos so young? You know, why are you dating this man, Blake fielder civil who's clearly so bad for you? You know, you know a lot of these questions that um, would clearly were going to make her uncomfortable but weren't really, I don't know, not really things that anyone who reads Rolling Stone needs to know about her. Um and in this timeline that they published a few months after the cover story, you know they're running the same pictures that the tabloids are running. They're running pictures of her on the ground, or pictures of her drunk on stage, or you know drunk partying with her friends. And they, in this article, are really no better than the Sun or the Daily Mail. Um. And I think it's interesting because now you read all these articles from Rolling Stone or the New York Times about Amy Winehouse, and they write, you know, that, oh, the tabloid press, they always say tabloid press was very critical of Amy Winehouse. But if you look back in the early 2000s and you read articles from, you know, these very traditional music publications they are just as they're just as critical of Amy as the tabloid presses. Um my research also turned to broadcast coverage and I looked at how outlets like the BBC covered Amy's death and even on the day of her death, um the BBC was still, you know, writing a script that almost blamed Amy, for her own death. Um, They ran an interview in her the coverage of her death that said that she had a weak and addictive personality. She had great musical knowledge and taste, and unfortunately, this was combined with a weak and addictive personality. It's hard to believe that even after something so untimely and traumatic happens they're still blaming her for it happening i think one thing that i really took away from reading all these old articles and watching these old news clips is that we really can't just fault tabloids for a lot of past destructive coverage um i think in a lot of ways when legacy media outlets pick up on stories that are originally run by tabloids they're hurting an artist even more because there's there's a level of legitimacy to the new york times or rolling stone that the daily mail never has and when people are reading the new york times and the way they talk about amy they're going to absorb it and develop certain misconceptions about addicts in a way that if someone reads a Daily Mail article, they can probably put it aside and realize that a lot of it is written for drama and for sales. But when someone is picking up Rolling Stone magazine, they're expecting for good reporting and fair reporting. Um, And I think it's interesting because I don't think there's been as much of a reckoning with past coverage from you know, more respected outlets.